Hello and welcome to the Almost Canadian Hockey Podcast. My name is Parker Water, and with me as always is Mr. Justin Levine. Justin, not the result you wanted tonight, but how are you doing? Yeah, it wasn't the result I wanted tonight, but um, it's one game, and as is the rule of life, take things in strides. So that is, in fact, the plan. So other than that, not too bad. How are you? I'm also fine. I don't know. I just hope both teams have fun as I sport my as I sport my Patrick Waugh jersey tonight. Um, but no, I uh, got the one thing before I forget, the one thing I want to talk about, um, the third goal. So hang on. The result was five to one, five to one lightning. And, you know, oof. But the one thing I want to talk about is the, uh, the, the third goal um, by uh, Tampa. Um so basically what happened is Kuch- uh, Kucherov like shot the puck and then it, it somehow it ends up in the, you know, shoots puck at, at price. It, I think it bounces off a of price or something. And then sure. Uh, ben Sherratt like bats it out of the air. And then after Sherratt bats it out of the air, Palat like bats it, like also bats it while it's in the air and then it goes in the goal. So, you know, Sherratt kind of, screwed that up and it's basically an own goal but they they according to nhl.com they gave the goal to kucherov which i think is very wrong because palat was the one that batted out of the air and then got it in net but i don't know justin did you did you see that or were you like just working i did see the highlight of it um and you know look my feelings on a lot of the play tonight was um I don't know, anywhere from a questionable to, uh, hey, maybe there's something more to this. So, um, you know, yeah, I could, I definitely see what it is you're alluding to on that front. Um, and, you know, look, Tampa, they're a team who are very, um, very, t- very chippy, very tight, um, and they get the job done is the way that they do things somewhat informal and maybe not always the best approach. And that's, um, you know, deserving of a high stick call or whatever it may be. Sure. And, um, you know, obviously that's why there was some question as to was that goal really his. So, um, you know, that being said, I feel like we're going to be seeing a lot of that throughout this series, but um, certainly otherwise a well-deserved win for Tampa, not what the Canadians wanted, but um, you know what, when they're up against a wall and face pressure, um, they perform and you know what, this is only game one. So they're not facing either of those yet. But um, will they like being down one nothing? No, no one does. This is the Stanley Cup final. So do I expect them to come out uh, and, you know, defeat the stronger Tampa Bay Lightning? Yes. So we'll see what happens. So um, I don't know if I don't know if you also noticed this, but I, feel, I felt like during the first um, during the first power play that the Canadians got, the Lightning just killed them like they just were not like they weren't letting up you know how like during most power plays you set you like you know the team on the power play is able to set up and at least get a couple shots off no yeah. not with 
I'll, I'll tell you why that happened. And it, this analogy comes from a, a good buddy of mine, Brian Wilde in Montreal, who writes for Global News Montreal. And he simply says, win the middle, win the game. Montreal, not winning the middle. You don't win the middle. You uh, make costly plays that in some events turn into turnovers and the opposition will um, come back stronger and defeat you. And that's inevitably what happened with Tampa Bay tonight. Now, when you say middle, do you mean neutral zone, or is that my thing of something different? Like, naturally, it speaks to the neutral zone, but it doesn't just allude to the neutral zone. You know, it means the other zone as well, which is you know the offensive zone. So just the general, the general middle. Okay. Yeah, it's a general middle. So more speaking to. Okay, because yeah, like, I feel like yeah, they just were never able to get set up, and I feel like. Tampa Bay's pressure was always just on like just ultra defensive mode, you know? Um, and it's just, I don't know. I just thought it was, um, I don't want to say it was bad by Montreal, but I think it was just really, really good defense by the lightning. And I, you know, I can't, I, I'm not going to dispute that. Right. And then there's Andre Vasilevsky in net and he is the younger Carey Price and he's his career is only just building while Price is approaching the end of his. So you're also seeing a team that um, while working hard, you know, in front of him, uh, Vasilevsky himself, the way he moves, um, he is going to be an all-star goaltender um, further into the future. And this is only this, his starting point. And, you know, is it too far-fetched to say that the Canadians couldn't get by him? Uh, I don't think so, but, you know, does that mean that they have no chance just based on a one-game display? I wouldn't go so far to say that, but um, things obviously do need to tighten up, which I mentioned on a show about an hour ago, that that does have to happen, That um, because when the Canadians play tight and thus, um, you know, they limit any chances for co- costly plays, whether they be turnovers or just poor offensive chances that um, are very quickly just, um, you know, not, for lack of a better word, not opportunity anymore. So um, anyways, that that's the play that they need to refer to and more than ever so before, because uh, against Winnipeg, seemingly the best team in the Canadian division, I mean, aside from Toronto, um, you know, they they weren't even tight all the time and it still worked in their way uh, for Montreal. So, um, you know what, they need to do this against Tampa and um, maybe maybe the best approach is to play like they are up against the wall already because um, it, that's what's gotten them to the Stanley Cup final place where nobody thought they could be. And that includes myself. Yeah, it's it's definitely, God, I, I don't know. I don't know what to, what to think? I mean, I, I do. I think this game is going to go to seven. Yes, it's just off of. It's hard to base it off of one result, but like this result. Ah, yeah, it's not fair that I just base it off of this game because it's just a bad game, and I don't know what to. And it's only one game. Peter. I don't know what to think. It's one game. One more game. Yeah. You can't tell me that one game decides the series. I will say one thing though, the team that A, scores the first goal, do they often set the tone? Yes, but then consider this. And I'm going to read off uh, this tweet, which was posted after the game. Um, And I'll tell you who that was from in a moment as I find that tweet. This was from 
Okay, David Satriano, who is a contributor to NHL.com, he said, good news for the Canadians. The past three teams to win the Stanley Cup have each lost game one, Washington 2018, St. Louis 2019, Tampa Bay 2020. So um, is there, you know, if you, so if you look at not only the fact that they didn't score the first goal, but the fact that they lost the first game, it's one game. Let's take distance strides and be reasonable about it. Let's not, you know, jump zebras yet. We're not there yet. Yeah, I just, it's, I didn't know that, honestly. Um, so that's kind of, that's a bit um, uh, relieving, I guess. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the right word is, but um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I'm just, I'm just upset about the loss. I don't know. I, it feels like a better game. Let me put this in Canadians' perspective as well. They've already been facing adversity um, because they know that they've been dubbed externally as the underdog. That's one. Number two, Donald Ducharme went down with COVID-19 after the Vegas series. And while he is set to return for game three, um, you know, one would say, hey, that's got to toss the Montreal Canadiens for a loop. No, it didn't. Luke Richardson came in, someone who they were familiar with throughout the year. Um, I believe he was not there every day, but most days he was there. So um, it didn't throw them out of pattern. Um, it wasn't something that phased them. Um, they just continued to play hard and play as the team that they were with the same systems, um, which uh, Luke Richardson inevitably just came in and made tighter than they already were. Um, and, you know, got, knowing that you're actually playing for someone also seems to work and they're playing for their head coach, the one man who they really needed uh, and, you know, Dom still had uh, interactions with them via Zoom, both during and before games, and uh, sometimes afterwards to give them a congratula congratulatory message. So there's that. And then the last note is that Yoel Armia, let's not forget that he's already had a rough year. He faced a pair of leg injuries. He faced um, concussions. And now uh, COVID-19, a false negative, which was unfair. So the team left to Montreal, flew to Tampa without him. And then he got cleared first thing this morning and flew to Tampa on a private jet as per NHL protocols, um, just to be extra safe, um, that he wouldn't get it en route. And he, he didn't play tonight. So were there some missing elements from this? Absolutely there were. Um, so, you know, sometimes you need that, you know, that extra kick and you all are Mia defensively is that extra kick. So, um, again, let's not jump zebras fully back for game two. Um, Dom is almost uh, back to full full health, so to speak. He's had no symptoms at all. But you know, in turn, when I say full health, I just mean to testing negative and you know being back with the team. So there's lots of things to consider yet to hear. So again, when I reiterate the fact that we can't jump zebras and say that there's any worry or concern, I mean it. Yeah, I, I think the Canadians have done well against, um, or without, not against, without their head coach better than I thought they were going to. Um, I think the fact they beat Vegas in six, you know, without their coach for a part of it, that says something about the team. Um, I also, just before I left work, um, uh, I I looked and it's like, is, is Yule Armia playing? And like, this is like 15 minutes before game time. Right. And there was nothing. There's no, no, like, there's nothing. I didn't see anything. And I honestly had no clue um, who, like, I couldn't find you. I didn't look it up. 
early like during the game. But yeah, if he's not wasn't you know wasn't playing playing tonight, he'll play uh, game two. And he was one of three scratches on the night. And then with that, the last thing I'll mention, and this was one that for some Canadians fans is just has been out of their minds for a while. But if you're a hardcore like me, you'll remember this team is without Jonathan Joanne, who took some time off for what I'm to believe at this point was a mental health break. Uh, and Bergevin addressing the media yesterday, all he said was he's getting the help that he needs. Um, and so, you know, they're playing for him. Um, it sucks that he's not there, but he's doing what's right for him. And, um, you know, again, it's another missing kick to this team. One that before he opted to do that, he was playing well, um, but sometimes the pressure of being a Montreal Canadian, just because the media, it's a media heavy team, among other things, uh, such as its history, is just too much and it can defeat you. So, um, you know, again, at this point, uh, you know, speaking for honest performance, um, you know what, they're doing the best that they possibly can without him. And it's it's been working when you look at guys like Tyler Toffoli and Josh Anderson. But um, again, there are some bigger than hockey things that are, um, you know, part of the elements of uh, what's going on with them. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, you know, mental health and stuff is of course um, bigger than, bigger than hockey. Uh, I think we've all dealt with that in one form or another. So it's good that it's good that Duran is doing what he can to, uh, to, 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 to better himself. Um, you know, of course it is a bit of a loss for the team, but like we said, more important things. Um, but yeah, I just, it's just, this, this team is, you know, it's, it's four lines of excellence. And I think, um, I don't know, maybe after just, you know, beating, not beating Vegas easily, but you know, they didn't need to go to a game seven. Um, I think that says something. So I, I just, I just think, um, I don't know, maybe this is a, not a kick in the teeth, but like a, Step in the right direction, I guess, even though it's a bit of, even though you could argue that it's a step backwards, I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, and I, I think Vegas, I think Montreal is going to perform better in game two. They have Mr. Mr. Armia back, um, even if they don't have uh, Mr. Ducharme yet. Um Brandon Gallagher, who went out tonight, for those of you who watched and saw that in the final minutes of the game, he was knocked headfirst onto the ice. Not a good look for him. Um, but you know what? He's a feisty player. And so, you know what? He tries to not let it get to him. The one thing I'm worried about is concussion-like symptoms, which I'm sure he's been checked for already tonight. And so I said this as well on another show about roughly an hour prior to this one, saying that you know, there is a practice day between the uh, today and the next game. So that being said, if he enters the Mali Arena and he feels and he feels that he's healthy and ready to go, they'll put him for game three. Is it possible that he walks in that day to a Mali Arena and feels something? Yeah. I wouldn't put out the question because sometimes concussion symptoms uh, take time. I mean, oftentimes they don't, but there are cases where they do. So, um, you know, is there a lot of worry though? Uh, after being told that he was on the ice after the game ended, there's not a lot of worry at this time. And the pictures, although gruesome, make paint a worse picture than what the injury appears. It appears it was a cut gash in his head and because the gash i mean again he looked like he had his head on the ice rather hard so the gash had to have been somewhat deep hence 
all the blood that was down on his face, but I'm not to believe that there's a lot of worry about his health um, and his well-being, um, you know, despite those images. It does it, it don't think it's so bad. And I do think he'll be back for game two. So having a guy, a feisty guy like Gallagher, a uh, defensively strong guy like Armia back in, I do think that that helps Montreal, um, both offensively speaking and defensively. Yeah, I think, um, I do think it was, it was, it was bad. I didn't like watching it. I don't like that NBC, um, they, sh- I don't like that they showed it like in no, slow I don't, motion. I don't, I, thought- I don't respect the zoom in on the injury i don't think i mean look as is there's a lot of talk about you know players health uh which kind of invades their privacy and i have no respect for that i don't care for it so um to show a player in what in some cases is their worst moment i don't think is fair and i don't think that you have to zoom in on gallagher uh moments after taking a really painful hit i don't think that's fair to him um but you know until we hear further obviously my best regards to gallagher uh and his family as they try and get an update on him and uh as the canadians try and figure out his next steps if he is in fact going to be game ready for the next one yeah i think um i mean i'm sure that was a post-game question and i don't think they've written anything about it yet just as i'm looking at it um yeah because while the media was going on he was being valued by team doctors so there was no update to be provided at the time and i don't know that there will be until maybe tomorrow maybe maybe wednesday but yeah i mean when we once we know more you know we'll talk about it on the on the podcast obviously um what's next and so i guess tomorrow it's 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 midnight uh for me and 1 a.m for you so tomorrow um is when the next game is um so yeah then we'll have information on on wednesday i'm sure um but yeah concussions are weird i mean I'm sure they'll reevaluate them like later. Um, it's like, oh, do you now have a concussion after, you know, after like sleeping or whatever? Um, exactly. So then I with, think with that as well is normally someone who's suffered from a concussion the night of, you're supposed to monitor them every hour to make sure that you know, their mental function has remained intact. So um, while this is a bubble, I am to believe that uh, a Montreal Canadiens official will be checking on him, um, especially at, you know, at the stature of this playoff, now that we're in the Stanley Cup final, that that is a major uh, point of focus. Um, It's not a good one, but um, they've got to do what they've got to do, um, both for health reasons that pertain strictly to Gallagher and uh, for their survival of the Canadians in this matchup. Yeah, like it's interesting too, because like if if um like in football, you know, concussions are such a big deal, but like in 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 the NFL, um, right? Like, I mean, if you if a player suffers a concussion, they're out for like two plays. They bring in the backup, and then like they have an answer, like now. Like, I just I don't know. I think it's interesting how they've like whatever they do. I'm sure there's like you know tests. I've never seen a concussion test, but anyway. Um, that's always really questioned me but the nhl i can tell you they take their time it's the right approach you can't toss them with a concussion right back in after two plays and say hey they're clear to continue because there might be something neurologically bigger going on and so i do respect the way the nhl handles it so i'll give them kudos for that 
Yeah, right. I'm not saying that like the way the NHL does it is bad. I'm just saying, like, I don't know, in the term in terms of like, you know, football, it's just like one, two, and then like, okay, these are like the I mean, if it did, I don't think I feel like if it didn't happen like personally, I don't think I don't think if it happened like at the end of the game, I think Gallagher would have played through that. Like this well, okay, if he did if he didn't bleed. Let's say he didn't bleed. He and it was like towards the middle of the game. He would have played through the whole. He would have played through well, the whole game. What? He's a, he's uh, strong mentally and physically, and he's uh you know that feisty, greedy player. So yeah, I would absolutely back that statement. And Corey Perry, we already saw with uh, what very well could be a broken nose. Um, but you know, at this point, it's let's get through the playoffs. Then let's take care of the health problem. His nose is stitched up and he, he's, you know, playing kind of like nothing happened. And, um, you know, these guys can take it. They're athletes. Um, they're playing an aggressive sport. They're built for this. So. But yeah, that um, the Corey Perry photo from Sportsnet was freaking gross. I, I didn't like it and you shouldn't look it up. <laughs> um, Don't look that up. No, so Sportsnet, there was, there was a post from Sportsnet, but I saw earlier. Um, Sportsnet did share one of Perry's nose, Jeff Petrie's eyes, and Gallagher's face. And it's just, it's not even funny. It's unfair and it's too much. It's invading their privacy and their well-being. And, you know, I don't like that. Period. I, I would agree. Um, that's, those are just pictures. Yeah, I think it's just the, the Corey Perry one. Um, that's... Yeah, yeah, that was a goal. That was cool. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, this is the one. Um, okay, so Carey Price is doing better than Mr. Pa- than my main man Patrick Waugh uh, in 1993. So, so Patrick Waugh, two and three record, um, two point one five goals against average. Uh, 925 save percentage, zero shutouts. And Carey Price, uh, 12 and 5 record, uh, 2.02 goals against average, 934 save percentage, one shutout. So, Carey Price, I still think, I mean, this game was bad for Price, five goals. My goodness. I think that's just a fluke. I think that's first game jitters. That's the. Because Vassi has been here before, right? First game jitters for Vassi last year. And I think this is, yeah, again, I think this is the first game jitters for everybody. Um, Lightning had a full house. You know, they had a full house and they've done this before. So, yeah, the Canadians haven't done this for 28 years. So, twenty years. It's only you know what? Yeah, it might be unlikely that they win, but um, they've made it to this point. Let's not let's not panic yet. Simply, simply said, history could be made. This is the first time since nineteen ninety three that they've reached the Stanley Cup final. That on its own is monumental. That on its own is bigger than hockey. So let's just keep that in mind and have some perspective. Yeah, this is why I wanted. This is why I wanted New York to win because then it would have been like 
41 years versus 28 years of like not being in the final. And, you know, you got to think like just hypothetically like Brock Nelson. How old is Brock Nelson? He's not 40. Brock Nelson isn't 40. So, yeah, New York Islanders haven't, New York Islanders haven't made a playoff, haven't been to the Stanley Cup, haven't won the Stanley Cup um, since, you know, any of those Islanders players have been born, except for maybe Cal Clutterbuck. I, Cal Clutterbuck has been in the league for like 30 years. No matter which way you sliced it, it would have been history on either end. And so I think that would have been really Okay. He is 33. He's not as old as I thought he was. It's just it's it's been forever since uh um it's just been forever since uh since Clutterbuck's been with the wild. Um god the 2006 entry draft, yeah. Um and yeah, Brock Nelson. I was Brock Nelson. He played for University of North Dakota. Brock Nelson, 29. Jesus Christ. I mean, Clutterbug is not that much older than Brock Nelson. But anyway, um, but yeah, he, um, last time they won the Stanley Cup, neither of those, no, none of the, none of the Islanders players were even born. So, I don't know. I'm just it's it's interesting. I don't know. I think um again, I think this is first game jitters. I think Montreal comes back in game two. I think they come back in game three and then they win at home. And then game four is game four. Yeah, and I think Montreal can win game four. And you know, originally I said halves and six. And you know what? For the time being, I stand by that. Um and you know what? Even if they um do happen to trail uh you know further down the road through games two and three i'm still going to stand by that because again when they're faced with pressure and up against the wall they perform their best and it's you know it's what's allowed them to uh get to a history making point like now yeah because i suppose game six is going to be in montreal so yeah probably and for all intents and purposes, while I probably wouldn't have said this last week or two of the regular season, Mark Bergevin has put together a winning team. His approach, I was very skeptical about. I didn't like it, and especially in the, the, the veterans that they acquired, three of them, but it's paid off. Two of the three of them have shown me why to believe. And so for that reason, just letting them do their thing. And, um, well tonight wasn't a great showing but nonetheless it's working so let's not um freak out just yet right and again i think just because um you know third time first game jitters that's that's all this is um and i think it's gonna be i I think it'll be fine i think um we're we're gonna have a good series it's not gonna be like a light not gonna be lightning and four um it's it's i think it's gonna go to seven personally i mean canadians in six or seven they either you know canadians are too good at home they're just they've just been able to show up at home um especially in overtime where they failed all season long until eric Stahl showed up 
um, now drastic turn of events, Artur Lekkonen scoring the winner that got them into this cup final against Vegas. So, um, you know, something is to be said for uh, that Bell Centre atmosphere, especially when there are fans and a statement from the Canadians today said that speaking with Quebec public health officials that they are trying to uh, increase the attendance past 3,500 uh, after they were able to get it uh, up 3,500 following the first round. So, um, yeah, you know, having your own fans and having that, having that support and really hearing it. Um, Again, this is kind of an energy thing that, you know, players, when it, when you're in a quiet environment, as has been the case all season long, you can't build up that energy and momentum yourself in your body. Um, for some players, it just doesn't work. And that's why at the beginning of the regular season, I said on numerous occasions, God, this play looks too slow. Wow, I cannot watch this. Uh, and, you know, as fans start to pack arenas again on small numbers, albeit i mean it it helps it helps to get them going uh get them revved up and it's what we need especially in the playoffs so to see that really uh take account for teams in their home arenas is also a crucially important piece yeah and like when i was i was driving home watching it in my car which you know should i be doing that no but hockey uh <laughs> um yeah, I mean, during like the pregame, you know, the whole like, the whole like, like the hype, you know, that they do, you know, with like the dim lights and the, you know, the introductions, all that. Like, I could feel like the energy, like in my car. So, like, imagine like being there, you know. I mean, it, it, it was full. It was it was sold out. So it, yeah, it was just. Yeah, the energy was there, and I think, yeah, I think even if they can, like, bump it from, like, 25% capacity to, like, 50% capacity, that's still that's still significant, you know? I mean, it's – are they going to bump it to, like, 100%? Absolutely not. They will not, but – which I think is ironic because, like, they were not six feet – if you look at, like, game six, they were not six feet apart. They had the whole the, – all the banners or whatever, like – guarding those seats to make it look like it was an epi stadium but when you like panned like towards the like the bottom or whatever like all those fans were like next to each other in like a couple sections so i don't know what their point is like i don't know what they're i don't know what they're trying to like i don't know what they're trying to do because like i know in canada they're following it as much as they can because especially with our very strict government policies regardless of what province you're in, we have to be following these. So I know that the greatest strides are being made here, where in the U.S., not so much the case. Right. We're, we're done with it. Um, we've just, um, like, New York, you know, the most can... – New York is very um, – they were very serious about it, um, but, the, but the New York Jets um, and the New York Giants are going to be at full capacity for football. And, you know, that's the you know, New York City, obviously. Well, New Jersey, I suppose, still super, very, very busy, very big, big town, big, big arena. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be at full capacity. Tampa's at full capacity. Uh, I think as of... July 1st, the Minnesota Twins are going to be at full capacity. Minnesota Twins baseball are going to be at full capacity. 
So I understand that the Toronto Blue Jays will be full capacity at Salem Field in Buffalo until the point of which they are told they can return home to Rogers Center if that's a possibility here in Toronto at any point throughout the, the remainder of the season. So, um, yeah, it's just very interesting to kind of see the way COVID-19 has drastically kind of turned itself as we reach the, I don't know, the end of the road, so to speak. But again, there's still ways to go and there are ways to approach this. In the U.S., they might start to learn that as they see the results of allowing full capacity. So I'm known to speak to it, but we're witnessing it. And um, you know what? I do think in some ways it'll be costly, but obviously not as much because vaccine rollout has been much stronger in the U.S. than here. Here, we're still getting there, but um, obviously great job. Uh, we recorded a, a record 25,000 vaccinations in one day yesterday at Scotiabank Arena, home of the Raptors and Maple Leafs. So um, we're getting there, but point being, um, while yes, it's nice to have fans back in the stands and that you know return uh, to normal feels really nice. It's just about being careful and taking safety precautions you know, especially in the U.S. where, again, it's not over yet, just like Canada, still seriously while adjusting to a new level of normal. Yeah, and, you know, once we, once y'all get, like, vaccinated, then it'll be, it'll be fine. I think there's a certain percentage of all citizens that are vaccinated, then, like, stuff will, will open up. That's at least what America did. Like, if, you know, blank amount of people get vaccinated then we'll you know we're more we're more comfortable with like opening things up and i think yeah we're still on that so i think by september is what i've started to hear is that is what the most likely point that they think that's possible even if it's the end of the summer we'll take it but um again right now um let's enjoy what we have for sports and um because right now the fact that 3500 people are gathering in a canadian sports arena is pretty monumental Right. And then like, you know, your your prime minister is different from our president. Um, our president said, you know, he said this back in March. He said July 4th and it's June 29th. So yeah, I don't know. It's we're fine. He's like, yeah, we're gonna we I want families to spend time together on July 4th. And uh, I want, you know, I want everything to be fine by July 4th. And it's almost July 4th. So yeah. Anyway, Justin, what do you you doing anything for Canada Day? I know that's I got my fireworks for Fourth of July. You get you get your stuff. You know what? There is there seems to be some discrepancy this year um, surrounding Canada Day uh, on the news of the residential schools, which you might have come across. Um, there are a lot of heartbreaking numbers the last couple of days of um, deceased bodies that have been buried on these campuses and for many, many years now, and they're just kind of being detected thanks to some um, amazing technologies. Um, and unfortunately, that number has reached the 1,000 point between BC and Saskatchewan, and I'm sure there are more um, such as here in Ontario. So um, there, then along with that, um, just kind of people who have turned their back to important political matters, um, such as um, this guy, uh, last name Ryerson, which is where Ryerson University in Toronto is named after. I can't remember his first name, but um, people pulled down his statue and uh, the head of the statue was found um, to have come up to surface very, very far away from here still in Ontario after it made its way into Lake Ontario after it was pulled off. So which kind of shows you that there are a lot of people who are really taking a political stance. And yes, this entire pandemic, yes, we've seen a lot of, um, you know, 
social justice issues come to light and how to handle those. So, um, you know what, um, there, you know, the whole cancel candidate thing is very much what I'm hearing. And, you know, it's hard to be proud of a country when you hear these numbers and the history of this country. And yes, while we have been writing our wrongs ever since, um, I can't imagine what candidate will look like this year. So I'm not preparing just yet, just because it's, you know, it's a little hard to kind of tell where we're at because there are other things to be proud of as Canadians, especially our approach to um, things such as pandemic, um, among other things. But um, our our history is not a bright point. So what can they exactly is going to look like this year? Right now, it's hard to know. Oof, we're not feeling very patriotic. That's upsetting. Um, I don't know. Yesterday, I went and I went and got like fireworks from like, a firework place for like a hundred bucks. So, you know, we're doing that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not necessarily like proud of my country right now we also like tore down a whole bunch of like statues kind of toward like the middle like last year and some some of them this year but and then you're I don't looking know. I, at the george floyd murder which is justin uh, i like blowing things up that's why i bought fireworks yeah right and you know what this year's been hard for everyone um from the george floyd murder to other murders across ontario um thanks to police brutality and other things so yeah it's hard to be proud of any nation right now and um yes there's still some cause for celebration when you look at you know in a different direction of course but um yeah it's history has it um you know, sometimes it's just hard. So I'm not jumping yet for candidate preparations. Um, you know what, like if I can take in uh, a sports game of some sort on TV and there be, um, you know, some sort of tribute to the positive side of Canada, that's more than enough for me right now, uh, kind of until, you know, further notice, because again, we're coming up on Canada Day um, very closely, obviously being right now the 29th and it's two days away. So, um, I don't know. You know what? I'm very proud of my country uh, for other reasons. And, you know, I'm not going to get into it all because it's all fancy and political, of course. But, um, you know, um, yeah, I think I'll digress there. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't know. I'm just, just going to blow stuff up on the 4th of July because, you know, that's what we Americans do. We all turn into pyromaniacs on, on the 4th, so... Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Go on the boat and go on the boat and blow and just blow shit up. Hell yeah, that's the American that's the American way. Um, but no. Anyway, that's probably a good place to good place to stop. So yeah. Um yeah, we'll be back um on Wednesday with you know another uh, result episode of the almost Canadian hockey podcast. So um, find me on Twitter at, at PWAN2020. Um, yeah. Then just. You can find me on Twitter at JustinVHBS. And remember, all content from podcasts or articles can be found at Puck31, thepuck30.com. Um, you know, we've got the ECHL playoffs going on, the NHL playoffs, of course. Um, some NWHL news today, which I'll share really quickly. Um, two teams were who which were owned by women's hockey partners which was under the uh which under direction of the league's board of governors uh led by andy scurdo the president uh have now been privately 
purchased by Neil Liebman as well as Skirdo being the Buffalo Buttes Minnesota Whitecaps becoming the final two teams uh, in the league to receive private ownership, which is a big step forward for the women's game because now that allows them to, um, you know, start looking at uh, better resources uh, and, and actual you know, start to building infrastructure, among other things. So for the players, uh, as much as the coaching staffs and team executives, it's a really, you know, big thing. So um, kudos to the National Women's Hockey League for pulling off all of this this offseason after um, getting their first couple off the ground in the Boston Pride, um, the Toronto Six. So um, there's that in the Toronto Six. Today we announced our general manager, Christy Clark, has joined our team. Um, she is incredibly knowledgeable. She she's worked and continues her work in the Canadian Premier League with York United FC. Um, so we're really pleased to add her to our coaching staff to join in with Mark Jocelyn, our head coach, and Angela James, Hall of Famer, and our assistant coach. So, um, you know, if you're looking for me on Twitter, you can always find me tweeting about uh, women's sports, specifically women's hockey in the Toronto Six. Good, good. Um, yeah, thank you for listening to this episode. Um, yeah, um, yeah, this has been the Almost Canadian Hockey Podcast, and we will catch you on Wednesday. Have a good one.